My guests today are Greg Sizemore, Vice President of Safety and Workforce Development for the Associated Builders and Contractors, and Jimmy Green, President and CEO of ABC's Greater Michigan Chapter and Chair of ABC's Chapter Presidents. Greg, Jimmy, great to have you here today. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. Uh, Later this year, ABC expects Congress to propose a $1 trillion plan investing federal, state, local, and private money into infrastructure over the next decade. How will this investment in America's infrastructure impact anticipated construction workforce shortages, which some predict to increase to 1.1 million over the next decade? Greg? Jason, thanks for having us. It's it's really a great question. Um, We already know that we're facing a significant um, gap in our skilled workforce today. Uh, we talk to contractors as part of our 21,000 members every day that say they need qualified, competent craft professionals and managers, for that matter. Roughly, we could estimate that to be conservatively around 500,000 craft workers today. The idea that the administration is going to uh, invest additional dollars and in funding into infrastructure simply means that what we already know to be an issue is going to become a much larger issue. Uh, conservative estimates of those would be for every million dollars worth of spend. That employs about six individuals in the construction industry. So if you invest a trillion dollars, you can simply get up to that 1.1 million craft workers very, very quickly. You know, Associated Builders and Contractors takes a holistic view at this. We have 70 chapters across America. Each of our chapters have a variety of different training programs that we offer to individuals that are, one, gainfully employed, trying to upskill, or trying to enter into our workforce for the first time. And, and so we, we believe that, you know, to face this issue head on, uh, we've got to do more. Uh, We've got to train more. We've got to attract more. We've got to retain more people in our industry. What do we expect as an association is to do everything in our powers to make sure that the next generation of craft workers know that this is a very um, lucrative career to get into? Jimmy, what does that look like from your perspective in Michigan here for an industry that's open for everyone, regardless of where maybe they are in their careers, either uh, in the past or the present, and even what they're looking forward to? Well, Greg made a great point, and I, I want to emphasize that that one key word he said, invest. If we're not investing in tomorrow's next workforce, uh, we simply don't have enough people to fill this infrastructure need that we have across the country. Uh, it does give me a healthier perspective in that I'm able to communicate with every single chapter president around this country about what that gap is, and that gap is workforce. Even in the state of Michigan, for example, We are now building roads and rebuilding some bridges using four-year-old budgeted monies. Now, the reason that's a problem is because there are budgeted monies every year since that point that, quite frankly, will stay in their coffers because we don't have enough people to do that. The investment first begins in human capital. We have got to go back into our basics. We've got to make sure that the careers in construction and building trades whether that's union or merit shop or craft training or apprenticeship programs, that we're investing in that because these are the people building those infrastructures. This is not something that we can import from China, not something we can bring over from Mexico. This is homegrown talent that we better start investing in long before these bridges and roads start crumbling around us. And that'll be a shame on us moment. Jimmy, 70 chapter presidents around the country, all with a unique perspective, but when you add all that up, that becomes a nationwide voice. What are some of these chapter presidents saying to you about the circumstances? Well, that's that's one of the things I'm talking about with infrastructure in particular or, or even building. 
The fact is that it crosses zip codes. Crumbling bridges have no zip codes or geographical uh, uh, benefits to them. The chapter presidents all have the same issue. I mean, every one of our 50 states, it's workforce. Every single one. It is a unifying theme. Greg, what is ABC doing to combat the issue? I think if I were to boil it down just to uh, the simplest of terms, is going back to one of the things that you said. One, uh, we recognize that it is a unified voice. Uh, As Jimmy said, it's it's not unique to a geographical area. Certainly there's some things happening uh, at a greater or more rapid pace in specific areas over others. Uh, But our government affairs group and our political affairs group is staying in front of. You know, we want the audiences, honestly. We want the audiences with Secretary DeVos. We want the audience with Linda McMahon and small business. We want the audiences so that with, with these people that are decision makers, uh, that may be a little bit unique than just going the traditional Department of Labor route because these are people that can really advance a cause. When you start thinking about the opportunities in our industry just by the reauthorization of Perkins funding, when you start thinking about the things that are available to us through GI bills and, and how we can leverage some of these funds that are there to help pay for people's education, Uh, To get into our industry, the biggest barrier that we face more often than not is people don't know how to, and they think there's this huge price tag associated with it. Uh, Jimmy and I were talking earlier today, and and he shared a story of a young man uh, in his chapter that literally took it upon his own to, to do it, and Jimmy offered him a scholarship to go to his training program. And now that young man is now learning an additional skill on top of his apprenticeship trade where he's going to be a certified welder in the state of Michigan, and that's a good, solid, paying job. Mm-hmm. We've got to remove the barriers, obstacles, and excuses for people because we are an industry. We are an industry that offers opportunities irrespective of your background. You know, second chances, you know, second careers, career jumpers, You know, whether you have a college education or you don't have a college education, whether you finished high school or you didn't finish high school, construction affords you that opportunity to apply your skills, talents, and abilities in a way that shows career path greater than you could ever expect. Greg, tell me more about ABC's approach to this workforce development and some of the solutions uh, that ABC can offer and some things that, that can be done to help beyond what we just talked about here. Well, we leverage the 70 chapters, and, and you know what we try to do with those 70 chapters is meet what our membership needs are in that local area. In many of our states that we work in, there are required apprenticeship programs. Those are formal programs that people must go through. They're federal or state mandated. Other states have what we call competency-based training programs, and competency-based training programs is much like the learning model that the military would you know put in play mm-hmm. where they teach you to how to do specific skills very well. And then that in turn, when Jimmy talked about investment earlier, when you invest in that individual, teach them the skill, they they achieve skill mastery, and then they're able to apply. What's unique to investment as opposed to an expense viewpoint is you can receive an ROI on that that investment. Okay, so we've got competency-based training. We've got you know, apprenticeship training, which uh, Jimmy can speak to. And, and then certainly along the same lines, we've many of our contractors today offer that first stop, that onboarding opportunity, where you really want to make sure the person's got the core skills to go and work in our industry, not only from a safety standpoint, which is critical, mm-hmm. but from a productivity standpoint. Can they add value? Many of our contractors are, are doing these things up front now. 
And so when we look across the 22,000 members, that's what ABC is doing. We say that, we do that together. Jimmy, your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. No question. You know, it's interesting when the president put together uh, a workforce development uh, a task force to get to the to the bottom of this. Uh, one of the people who led that, who, who was in charge of it, was Andrew Liveris from Dow Chemical. Dow Chemical uh, reached out to ABC as a factor in driving the solutions to workforce development. It's It's been a privilege to actually sit in a room with folks who truly get it from the academia side, whether that's community college, um, four-year colleges, labor. Uh, but ABC was brought to the table. Why? Because ABC builds this country. What we do in terms of craft championships and apprenticeship programs in particular are fast to the marketplace. But again, I want to keep cautioning that, that we can do it, but you've got to have butts and seats in order to do that. How we've reached out to the military, as Greg alluded to, you know, coming up with competency-based transitions from the military into the workplace is a great transition for folks, no question about it. So they're looking at ABC in 50 states to say, you built this country in some of the biggest markets here in, here in this in this country. We need your expertise. We need your value. We need how you train to hit the bigger marketplace so we can address this piece. Again, I'm fortunate enough to actually sit in those rooms and hear these conversations so I get a bird's eye view of how these solutions are coming to bear. But that that is the ABC value to me is that we're not only quick to market, uh, but our value and the safety piece is great. I don't want to uh, dismiss that because that's critical to this as well, too safety first and then competency based where no matter what you label it craft training or apprenticeship programs are critical to addressing this workforce dilemma that we have what kind of responses are you getting from people who may be looking for a new career direction or maybe looking for a second chance or even maybe starting out just new uh, younger parts of the workforce what kind of response are you getting whenever you're talking to them about the needs of the construction industry but how they can help and how you can help them get there oh it, that's the fun part it's really the fun part. It's almost like when you're talking to young people, you get that joy back again. Uh, and, I, and the academia world has certainly uh, fallen on on, um, on the fact that they haven't done that well in pushing kids into the trades. And they shouldn't push at all. They should expose. So I want to make that clear. We don't want to push anybody into the trades. We want to expose. Kids have a natural ability to build. Some kind of way in middle school, we dissuade them from doing that. But when we expose them to it, we talk about the entrepreneurial side of it. I went into one of the best high schools in the country who send about 80% of their kids off to four-year universities, and, and, and they, they take great pride in it. So I went in and I said to them, that's fantastic. I patted them on the back and I said, now, what about the other 20? Can we work on them? And that, that has become that solution base. What are the other 20% doing? Where are they finding themselves in the marketplace? These are kids who stay home. And when they stay home, they build their communities. But we've got to provide that access and opportunity. Greg talked about ex-felons, veterans, second chance. People, what's wrong with just knowing how to fix a window, fix your door, uh, to paint a house? These basic skill sets are what we're talking about. The fact that they can evolve into a career, that's great, too. But the, the idea that we're not teaching people to just self-sustain themselves is, is, is problematic to me anyway. Greg, when you look at a solution to the problem, what can the lawmakers, the educators, the public at large do to sort of chip in here and everyone kind of row in the same direction? Uh, that's a great, great question. I mean, let me start with what the public can do. Uh, the public needs to recognize that construction 
uh, is a valiant, viable, sustainable career. It's, it's a solid career choice. It's not the choice for somebody else's kid. It's the choice for your child. Uh, I look at it from the standpoint of me being a product of this industry. Uh, I love to tell people every day that uh, I was a really smart kid in high school, but I was kind of wore out on college, and I decided to go into construction. And to think some years later in my career that I'm standing here across from you and I'm talking about something that is still an issue today like it was in the early 70s when I started in this industry. So, again, the public needs to recognize that the image uh, as much as people want to say it's a hard, it's difficult, it's dangerous, it's whatever these things may be. The truth of the matter is, if you do not compromise the safety and you have the skills, talent, and ability to do your job, irrespective of how you got there, to apprenticeship program, competency-based training program, you can be successful in this industry. In addition to this, it's also important to understand that the public recognize that we need <coughs> just as many brilliant college grads to do construction management and project mm -hmm. management and become estimators and schedulers. So there's there's not a us and them mentality. It's not an either or opportunity. Right. There are viable opportunities inside of higher education that promotes you into a career in this industry far beyond anything you've ever imagined. So the public persona is what can they do? Help us change the image. You can't drive around this city alone without seeing tower cranes and pieces of equipment moving dirt and buildings being erected every day without saying, wow, there's a lot going on. You can't walk into a building and see the craftsmanship of the individuals that put it in to say that's a talented individual. Okay, All of that is about the perception. What can lawmakers do? Again, lawmakers can begin to listen to us. Uh, we may sometimes be a banging gong or a clanging cymbal. But the reality is, is if we could offer a package tax incentive to contractors who invest into onboarding practices or invest in the second chance type of education or reentry programs, invest in, um, you know, programs that encourage our vets to, you know, that we've got a lot of vets coming back to, you know, to stateside every mm -hmm. day that are tapping out of their respective. Help us free up those obstacles that are in front of us. That's what the administration can do. That's obviously what our congressmen and senators can do for us is help eliminate those barriers. Educators, anything they can do to chip in? Wow. Uh, yeah, I could talk to my education friends all the time. The idea of what Jimmy said, somewhere around middle school, we, we, we divert every kid to college. And recognizing that not every child will, but many children can. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. See, what it boils down to this is, Jason, the byline that I want everybody to remember standing here today is, you know, that we're building people that build America. Across this country, our chapters, 70 strong, 22,000 members. ABC is building people that build America. Greg, one thing that you said that was interesting there is that is the image of the industry. And just based off of some conversations that we have had before this interview, the, the industry is one that also people may not realize very closely connected to technology as well, oh, which absolutely. is something that may not mm -hmm. be um, top of mind for a lot of people. We talk about it all the time. I, I tell educators, you go, go and look at any welder, electrician, pipe fitter. Go and look, and I, I'll tell you this. Today, science, technology, engineering, and math, they don't call it that. They call it work. That's what our guys do. They call it work. Academia calls it STEM because they've now figured out what we do every day. And so they had to put a word to it. So we give them that. They had to come up with a phrase so they could understand what our folks do every single day. But I'll tell you what I think people can do from an image standpoint 
I have six kids. I have three college graduates. Three of my kids have gone off there in Phoenix and New York. I have three left. But what I've learned is an appreciation. So when I walk by and I see somebody building a McDonald's or building a mall or building a home, you know what I do? I make it a point to go over to one of those skilled trades people and I say, hey, thanks for staying home. Thanks for staying home. Because that's what our folks do. They stay home and they build those communities that they live in. And you know how you should see the look on their faces when you do that. But it is. It's a nice thank you for folks who have gone through. And I also want to uh, uh, tell educators, too, the old days of sending the kids who aren't good with their minds but good with their hands, they don't have a good place in skill trades, quite frankly. Uh, you know, I always talk about the analogy of an electrician. You know, when you plug in an iPhone and it charges, our students get an A. If you plug in an iPhone you get electrocuted, they get an F. So we don't do B, Cs, and Ds. Our people are either trained competently or they're not. So we can't use the dumb kid or the kid who doesn't have a direction in their life on what they want to do. We want kids with a purpose and intent, and all we want to do is expose them to that opportunity, no different than they would if they wanted to be a nurse, a tennis player, a baseball player, or a soccer player. Greg, as we close out here, what are your final thoughts on this? Well, I'll just land back where you were. You know, this this is an evolving industry. Uh, this is an industry that affords huge, if not monumental, opportunities for people. Uh, technology has certainly got to play. I mean, when you think about telematics and robotics and drones and all of the equipment that we're using today mm -hmm. in our industry and the calibration that it just takes, I mean, we somehow magically think that anyone can do that. We want to have skilled craft professionals doing this work. Right. We want skilled project managers, superintendents, frontline supervisors leading this effort. Final thought for, you know, that I would leave with this entire, you know, listening audience would be this. One, it is about the image. It's, it's a, a safe, lucrative opportunity. It's a career, okay? Career trajectory, career path, whatever you want to call it, if you're willing to commit to it. Secondly, what we can say to the administration and those that are in leadership positions around this particular city here is understanding that, you know, they need to open their eyes and work with us and try to remove the barriers and not erect them. You know, we need the opportunity to cross the hurdles or walk between them because that'll open up that floodgate, if you will. That'll open up those people to realize the opportunities that are available. You know, Jimmy knows this and many other people know this, but he said it a moment ago. When you walk up to a craft professional and say, thank you for what you do, uh, there's one thing that I do anytime I'm with an, an audience, and it doesn't matter whether it's one or 101. Everybody kind of knows this. But I believe that every person that swings a hammer, pounds a nail, turns a wrench, supervises a job, estimates or schedules a job, is a champion. And they bring that to the table every day. They're, they're evaluated on what they do, how well they do. So my final thoughts is, Give us the room. Give us the opportunities. We can make some things happen in this city, this nation, across America. Jimmy, your final thoughts? Oh, boy, it's hard to top what Greg said, but I, I, I would uh, like to bring it back down to that local level. Uh, we are, and I don't want, I want to go right back to the beginning of this. We, we have a workforce gap. There's no question about it. And as we progress with infrastructure monies and we talk about infrastructure uh, studies and we're short of people and we've got to do a much better job at, at addressing this by talking common language, simple language about workforce, about careers. And, and, and let's bring it down to a level where we're actually talking to those people 
who are the next generation, these young kids in particular. There are a lot of opportunities for veterans, and and, and Greg talked about uh, ex-felons and and second-chance folks, no question about it. But that's that's temporary, that's short-term, because if we still don't address this longer generational gap, that's going to be the difficulty. You, You posed a question about what can legislators do. Well, to me, legislators should provide the same opportunity, and I would talk to Secretary DeVos if the money is to follow a kid, well, if somebody wants to come into my institution and learn to be an electrician, they should have the same opportunities as if they wanted to go to a community college or university to do that as well, too. If the money follows the career, uh, the kids' career choices, then let's make that consistent and let's make that across the board. I'd like to thank my guest today, Greg Sizemore, Vice President of Safety and Workforce Development for the Associated Builders and Contractors, and Jimmy Green, President and CEO of ABC's Greater Michigan Chapter and Chair of ABC's Chapter Presidents. I'm your host, Jason Fornicola. For more on this discussion, visit WTOP.com and search ABC.